Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now, here's your host, Richard Carthon. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, I want to give a quick shout out to all of our content producers out there. If you're a person that is passionate about creating content around cryptocurrency, blockchain, fintech, and just helping people understand everything that's going on in this space, then I'm talking to you. We would love if you would become a cryptocurrent contributor. If you go to our website, we have a form that you can fill out so you can start to share some of the amazing content that you are creating with our audience. So please sign up today and we look forward to working with you soon. And now for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent, your host here, Richard Carthon. And today I got a very special guest with me all the way out in North Carolina. He's working on a lot of amazing projects in blockchain. Today is going to be a very heavily blockchain focused conversation. We have a thought leader that can speak to everything that's going on in it can break it down very simply, but then also explain a lot of amazing projects that he has going. John Wolpert, how are you doing today? Hey, Richard. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. I appreciate you joining us today. Before we get started, how about you give us a little bit of background about yourself? I've been uh, in and out of technology for a lot of years, had two or three startups, a nonprofit overseas once. I was an IBMer three times. My journey on blockchain, I was working on Watson at IBM, so AI. Wow. And then I got the call to go and check out this blockchain thing. We got lucky. It got big quickly. We built this thing called Hyperledger Fabric and IBM Blockchain. And then I kind of had an epiphany and uh, Joe Lubin at that very moment called up and said, hey, you want to come start companies on the next internet? And you just don't say no to that. (laughs) In fact, my boss even said, yeah, you can't say no to that. And so I joined Consensus uh, three years ago, a little more now. Then a year and a half ago, we embarked on this journey with Ernst & Young and Microsoft and now hundreds of other people and companies on this thing called the Baseline Protocol. Amazing stuff that you're working on between everything that's going on with Consensus. I mean, E2.0's recently coming out. We have, of course, MetaMask with a lot of people are very familiar with, even with Baseline Protocol and having that open source that developers can come and build upon. You are really being an innovator and paving the way for a lot of people to come and and join this movement and build technology for the future. But I just want to take a step back. Those first moments when you got to work on Watson, when you got to work on the very first Hyperledger and everything else like that, what was that like? And how how was it putting all of that together and building the team to actualize this vision of blockchain? Well, it is the funny, the the fun part of the process for me is, is is somebody said oh you guys are pioneers and i was like no no we're not pioneers we're scouts <laughs> right we're we're you know the, the pioneers are the ones you're going to name the, the the towns after and you know the settlers and the but the the scouts usually we we go off into the mountains and get eaten by a bear and forgotten by history so yeah that's that's <laughs> a certain kind of person i'm definitely that person i've been that way for 30 years of my career i like that fuzzy front end you're lewis and clark in it through the wilderness you don't know what's in front of you it is exhausting. Some of the best people I know that do that, they, they do it once or twice. I just keep doing it over and over again. Usually I'll hang out in the saloon in the pioneer town for a while, 
but then the settlers show up with the churches and the, and the courthouses and I'm out of there. <laughs> You're like on to the next one, right? right? Yeah. Got to go Grizzly Adams again, you know? So. Our show is a large range of, of audience and some of the people that listen are first timers. Can you at its core explain what is blockchain and how is it that you're building upon blockchain so other companies can build on top of it. Let me preface that by saying I'm an odd kind of scout, as it were. There are more scouty scouts than I was and am. Paul Brody, for example, is was on this Ethereum thing before I was by a year at least. And he was at IBM and yeah, got eaten by the bear and uh, fortunately <laughs> got resurrected at Ernst & Young. But you know, he said blockchain like exactly four months too soon. And by the time I was saying blockchain and my boss, uh, Jerry Cuomo, was saying it, the, the CEO of IBM was saying it, so it was okay. We were laying that foundation. He was out there before there wasn't even a trail. And yeah, he fell in a bear pit and that was the end. So timing is everything. But yeah. it's fair to say that I'm, I'm not the vanguard of the scouts. There are others who are that way. People like Vitalik and Joe and folks before them with uh, Bitcoin itself. So it's all a progression. So I think that's, that's an important way to think about it is that we're all sort of early, but there are some that are earlier than that. And we're all kind of living on each other's ideas. Right. You're putting the building blocks, you're doing those next steps and you're building and refining so that it's easier for the next lot, right? As you keep scouting. But you said you started in IBM and then you had the opportunity of a lifetime with consensus and being able to go in that direction. What was it like to be one of the first ones in to like pave the way to what is ultimately shaping the crypto community in a lot of ways, what's being built upon it. That's another kind of weird thing about the scouting I do is that it's uh, in a way I'm a weirdly conservative scout. And that's not to say politically, but just in terms of my idea about innovation in some way, uh, there was a, I don't remember who said it, but I think it was Henry Chesbrough at UC Berkeley said, you know, if you're going to write a book or if you're going to do something important, you got to pick a fight. And he's a very peaceful guy. So he wasn't saying go out and duke it out with somebody. He was saying, you know, you've got to have an argument. You got to take a counterpoint to something somebody is saying. And even when that, especially in fact, when people that are really smart are saying something. So Mark Andreessen was saying that the cryptocurrency and that Bitcoin was the way to go. And we said, eh, let's try Fabric, right? (laughs) And my own team was saying, hey, you know, Fabric and private blockchains. And I said, eh, there's some reasons why I don't like that. It looks like a fancy, expensive, complicated database to me. So why don't we just use less expensive, less complicated, more secure database? if we're going to do that. So that was kind of, in a way, that's kind of my shtick is saying, hey, I built this thing and you shouldn't use it, right? (laughs) (laughs) You you should know what you're using when you're using it, right? With private blockchains, I think, are better referred to as, uh, respectfully, as um, shared databases. And there's nothing wrong with a shared database. It's just, you should know that that's what you're getting into. Right. Shared database means that there are other people and other companies who don't, you do not control, who have a full copy or at least encrypted or otherwise, they have a whole lot of information that both data and metadata that comes from inside your company and you should better be really okay with that. Right. That, that level of transparency and being able to really have an entire look under the hood. That was an interesting thing you just said. You know, transparency is an interesting problem or it's an interesting solution to a mm-hmm. problem. I've been saying this a lot this week. I don't know why, but somebody got me thinking about this, this old line that says, what your customers want is never so important as why they want it. And so why do people want, why do they people say, I want transparency? I don't think they want transparency. I think they don't want to be surprised. Right. I I like that. If you lead to transparency, then you're going to be like, well, okay, 
I just took my data to Burning Man, right? I've, I am getting a sunburn naked with my data at Burning Man. Is that really the solution I wanted or did I create new problems? Do I, I've lost compartmentalization. I've lost the ability to say, especially in the age of AI, right? Came, coming from Watson, it strikes me that, and I have a lot of friends who are, you know, Google with uh, TensorFlow and all that stuff. It, it, it worries me how much you can triangulate on knowing something about somebody that you shouldn't know without having the actual data or at least all of it, right? And there's a lot, so much exogenous data outside of that blockchain that you're going to be able to triangulate on people. And certainly the Silk Road guys figured that out, right? You know, or discovered what, what happens when you disregard that, right? So figuring out triangulating, it's not so much about whether you encrypt the data. It's that all these breadcrumbs we leave behind us in, the, in our activities between our counterparties and ourselves, there's a lot of legitimate activity that you don't necessarily want to be naked in front of your competitors. Right. And there are some folks I, I respect who have a point of view that says even that ought to be completely transparent. We should just basically not have any more secrets. I watched Sneakers. I liked the movie. It was a good movie back in the day. But as a practical matter, I think we're a long ways from certainly established companies and even startups who have to handle serious things like grandma's pension or something being okay with being completely transparent. Right. So what we want is more assurance. We want to be certain that we're not having shenanigans happen. We want to, don't want to be surprised by something way up a supply chain that outside of our visual visibility might cause the steaks that I ordered as a restaurant not to show up on time for the thing that I needed them to show up for, right? Those are the kinds of things that we want transparency over. We want to make sure that if we don't want to be surprised that, that the radishes that we just got shipped to us uh, have been contaminated in some way, right? Those are the things that we don't want. So we want to worry less. We want to save time. And we want to not be distracted from whatever our mission is. I don't think that transparency is necessarily... You have to be thoughtful about what solutions you apply to a problem. I don't want to sound pithy, but there was a, an old investor I had who used to say, you know, I, we're not interested in whether or not you have a solution to a problem. We're only going to invest if we think you have an authentic story about a problem. Because we figure your, your first solution to it will be wrong anyway. And when that's wrong, we want to know that you're going to go up to bat and try again because you're passionate about the problem. I want to stay on that for a second, right? So you're bringing up a lot of really good ideas and, and, and things that I've spoken with with other people like on, on a deeper level of, again, going to the core of, of problems or uh, the core of the underlying issues that are trying to be resolved with technology. So data is a big thing right now. Of course, everything that's going on with Facebook, with some others, even Apple just going and saying like, hey, we're going to protect your data. We're going to do whatever. Like data and the safety around it is a large talking point. And blockchain, in a lot of ways, tries to help solve it, but might go too far, just like you said. So do you think that in a lot of ways that blockchain is perpetually going to potentially cause more problems than it originally sought to solve? Or do you think that ultimately it is a, like arbitrarily good, but we need to put more protocols in place to refine it? What it makes me think about is that blockchain is an invention, right? Or a set of inventions. A lot of those, the, the inventions in that pattern of inventions are, are pretty old things, right? Hashes and other things. It was a novel construction of some things that were existed already, a couple of things that were kind of new. And, but what was really powerful and novel about blockchain in the very first instance in 2008, right? it wasn't the invention, it was the intention. It was the intention of some people in 
how they intended to use a set of things in a certain way to do a certain thing, right? They wanted to, you know, it was 2008, right? You know, nobody had faith in the financial institutions of the world anymore. We're like, hey, why don't we blow that up, change it? Let's, let's do something different. We intend to do something different. The power in, behind blockchain is not the inventions so much as the intentions. Not to mm-hmm. discard the inventions. Some of them are powerful. The math behind some of this stuff is really good math and really cool. But it's kind of like saying, well, I've got a pencil here. I can patent the pencil. I can show it to you. I can, I can write something boring with it or I can shove it in your eye. And now it's a disruptive technology, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's an, an interesting way of looking, I think, of, at this stuff. So the, and so the, you asked the question that was on everybody's minds, will blockchain ever be useful beyond the thing that we've, most people are excited about with the cryptocurrency stuff? which I have no story about. I mean, I, I'm from Michigan. I'm a terrible gambler. I'm not good at that stuff. I'm not, I got to be in finance. I don't have a mind for cryptocurrencies and I have like homeopathic amounts of this stuff. So, I mean, it's not, it's not even interesting. People are like, you know, anybody interested in what I have to say about cryptocurrencies is, is going to definitely lose money. <laughs> so <laughs> beyond that though, the question is what, what is its utility? And it, and it comes back to that intention of use. If you intend to use it as a fancy database, I think that there will always, what makes blockchain good, blockchain technology good at at some things, makes it bad at being a database for stuff. It's slow, will always be slower than a comparable uh, machine or a state machine for similar specifications, simply because now you're adding a consensus layer on that. No matter how fast you get things going, it will always be slower than a non-consensus-based state machine. So if you can get away with, if you don't need, if you don't need that overhead, don't use that overhead. You know, yeah. use something else like Mongo or Neo4j if you like graph databases or any other thing than a blockchain, private or public. In fact, if you're thinking private blockchain, you should probably start thinking distributed database, Cassandra or something like that, right? Couch or Cloudant. Then you've got good uh, crash fault tolerance, you've got performance, you've got all sorts of good things. And you have a degree of compartmentalization you really have a hard time doing with anything that's worthy of calling itself a blockchain. So that sounds pretty bleak for blockchain, but I'm going to turn that around and say, well, kind of like a Shakespeare, Shakespeare comedies, right? They start bleak and they go positive. (laughs) Tragedies start positive, go bleak. So let's go positive, right? So the positive thing is, but you could use it, but it won't work, but it will work if you think of it as, and then this is the foundation of the baseline approach. You think of it as middleware. You say, look, we're not going to put data on it. So per se, we're, we're going to put hashes or effectively proofs of something. And in this case, we're going to, the thing that we're going to put proofs about are not, you might've heard a phrase proof of existence, right? So I'm going to take a hash of something and prove that this thing that I produced for you is the original article because no bits are different, right? Than the, than what generated the hash. Cool. That's a pretty nice uh, invention. As I recall late as the early 70s, I think, or 60s, certainly. People didn't think that was possible. So, I mean, that's a really great invention, hashing. And Merkle trees, Merkle trees are cool. The question then, but, but proof of existence is, is only, it has one value. Proof of consistency is where baseline goes. It says, hey, I've got a traditional database over here with a record on it, pr- uh, purchase order. And you've got a database over, uh, you know, you're my trading partner. You're my, you're my supplier. And I need to know that the purchase order in your Microsoft Dynamics system 
and the purchase order in my SAP system are verifiably the same purchase order. Nobody fat fingered an extra zero. Nobody has printed off a fax or, or, or a, even a, you know, even a DocuSign PDF is still just a signed electronic piece of paper unless you add business logic and actual field level data, which DocuSign is actually doing and really moving forward quickly on that. So now you have this signature that says, yes, everybody signed this agreement and this agreement has data. Now we can say there's this permanent always on tamper, supremely tamper resistant state machine that's that can't lock you out of valid operations called the public blockchain. And it now has a thing on it that says you and I can't tell each other that one of us didn't get the memo or that we got the wrong data. We know at least when we agreed that we have exactly the same thing. Right. And if you get clever with that, you can use that same proof as a key and a key value lookup. So you can start to do interesting things with workflows. You can say, well, this purchase order follows from this baselined master service agreement with a discount table in it. And each purchase order that wants to claim that it's part of that master service agreement and get its proof on the blockchain has to observe the rules that were written into that original work step. So it gets pretty interesting from there, but it's kind of boring stuff where you're just using the, the public blockchain as a bulletin board for a Merkle tree full of proofs. And we're doing it in such a way under zero knowledge so that anybody observing that public blockchain, anybody can observe it because it's public, you wouldn't be able to tell that we even had a secret. So if ZK snarks is, I have a secret, I'm going to prove to you that I have a secret without telling you the secret. This is, we have a secret. And we're going to use this machine over here to make sure that we have the same secret without telling it what the secret is hmm. and without letting anybody that's looking at it know that we even have one. Blockchain as a whole, there are some things that it doesn't make sense necessarily for all industries, or it's just a more expensive, slow database uh, protocol. Whereas for some use cases, if speed and all that doesn't really matter, but you just need the access to the data, you need to make sure that's always there, that it's always available, then it has a ton of use cases. So what you're doing currently with baseline protocol, it sounds like you're creating that easy accessible blockchain that you can quickly go and make sure that everything's validated. Kind of like your, your DocuSign example that you were using to where like, hey, we're both agreeing that we signed this thing or this data saying X, Y, Z, and it's timestamped. And like we can, now that it lives on this, bulletin board, we always can reference it back. So for me, what yeah, that sounds uh, the like... Only, the only word I would change is, is it's not quick. It's it not doesn't quick. need to be. It doesn't right. need to be particularly quick. I mean, it's, it's quick. It'll, and in ETH2, it's getting quick enough. Can do some fancy batching with uh, a lot of people call layer two, but really just can be a server that is set up in such a way that it can't play shenanigans. And it's just kind of filling up a plane with some proofs and then dropping the root of that onto, onto the main net, yada, yada. So, and in our case, that's, that's all you... It, it, there's... That's pretty good, right? Layer two really works for baselining because we're not trying to do any token trading or anything. We're not trying to, we don't have to do work, things like reconcile, getting back your money or any of that stuff. Right. All we're doing is placing these unintelligible trees of, of nonsense onto an intermediate thing and then landing it on the main net every hour, 10 minutes. One of the first use cases that instantly goes to my, to my mind is, is voting. Like a thing is as far as like being able to like be able to cast ballots and be able to be like, oh, did this person do this with this? ballots with all this information and send it to a place and like, yep, this person did it, whatever is a great way to do it. Or another thing that comes to my mind is when the stimulus package went out in the United States and we need to quickly be able to say like, hey, 
We're trying to send you this money to this specific wallet. Are you who you say you are? Is this all information? Have you paid your taxes? Whatever it is. Yep. You checked all these boxes. Here you go. And then you can quickly verify it. I mean, are those kind of use cases that it could be used for? Like, what are some different ways that you see it, like from a practical standpoint, being used in the world today? We want to give a quick shout out to our platinum sponsor, Emirate, where you can become part of the world's fastest growing IoT wireless network. You can earn up to $25 or more a month by getting a free cool spot today. What is a cool spot, you may ask? Well, it's just like a Wi-Fi hotspot that you use to connect your devices, except you earn Helium HNT every time it is used. How can you earn from this? HNT is your reward for hosting and being an active, valuable participant in the Helium network. How secure is your cool spot? It has end-to-end -end encryption and it is used to secure your device and to ensure your privacy on multiple layers. Go to our show notes or go to our website to click the link to get your cool spot delivered to you for free today. You just identified several intentions, right? So I intend to be able to get to make voting suck less. Interestingly, and there's a great video, I don't remember, English guy, I can't remember the name. There's a great YouTube video out there about a guy that's, that, that will take apart why it's a terrible idea to do voting electronically, <laughs> right? You know, you always want to have that paper back up. It comes down to a problem of layering, right? Layers upon layers upon layers upon layers means that in something as consequential as a presidential, U.S. presidential election, there's so much incentive and there's so many opportunities, you know, right down to, you know, side channel attacks and stuff down way down in the, in the depths of the, of the layering unless you're writing, literally having people that can write in ones and zeros, it's tricky. And even then, if you're writing in ones and zeros, you still have the machine layer below that. So that's what makes voting tricky. Okay. Maybe somebody will figure that out, right? Maybe quantum computing, I don't know. There's always a way, right? Yeah. But that's one intention. The other intention you've mentioned is an interesting one. To me, it comes down to more of an abstract thing. I remember in the 90s, it was everybody needed a web page. And then everybody needed to be able to put their catalog of stuff on the web page. And then in between that, they needed a spinning logo on the web page. I remember that was a big thing. And then after you could have a catalog, you wanted to be able to sell people click and buy, right? And give you money. And now you have e-commerce. It didn't matter what kind of business you were in, what vertical industry you were in. Everybody started wanting to click to buy, click to observe e-commerce. And so you had this kind of very specific set of specific set of skills that that everybody wanted more or less the same way, right? So you could write web servers and you could write e-commerce platforms. But at the end of the day, you could apply that to anything. So it was specific, you know, when you're writing a story, you want, you want to find what is the unity of the story. This, this unity of the story could be one day in the, you know, so like that, movie, that show 24 hours. And this, the unity of the story was, was that 24 hours of time. Right. Uh, there's a play called The Long Christmas Dinner, which is uh, over a, a hundred years, but it's all at one table, one family table. And that's the unity of that story, right? So you can have vertical unity, you can have be a healthcare solution, or you can have horizontal uh, unity like Slack, right? You know, you're just very specific, you know what you do, but you can do it for anybody. But for me, baselining is a horizontal specificity. It's saying, we have a lot of problems with data inconsistency and workflow integrity. Anywhere where 
bad things happen because my database has something different than your database and we think it's the same. We, we, we have, and we don't know because we can't, I can't look in your database and you can't look in mine. And by the way, you probably shouldn't look into mine and your security officer is not going to let you look into mine. How do we solve that problem, right? So the, and can we solve it in such a way that we don't have to just go full burning man? Yeah, like databases aren't meant to talk to each other and there's a lot of reasons why, right? One, the companies don't want to just, if there's sensitive data, you don't want to just get rid of it and share it openly with the world. But also if you have like a secret sauce, you don't want someone to just be able to come and take it. But if you want data to align, you want to make sure that even if you're working together, if you're not, you just want to make sure that you have accurate data. There needs to be a way that the two databases talk without really revealing anything. And if that is what's being solved here, I think, I mean, that is unique. That is like really cool. And it sounds like a really tough nut to crack, but it sounds like you're, you're getting it done. I used to work for a company called Stratagos and we had this, this phrase, but the but, right? Yeah. Everybody says when you're doing innovation or ideation, they're saying, oh, don't, there's no killer phrases. There's no bad ideas. No, there's terrible. There's lots. Of, I love bad ideas. Let's embrace the bad ideas. They're great, bad ideas all over the place. And if you say, well, but that's a bad idea, but it wouldn't be if, and then somebody else can say, but, but that's a bad idea for this reason. But it wouldn't be if you do that five times, you, you could come up with some pretty remarkable stuff it, you know, by not ignoring the, the weak spots in the, in the idea, but embracing them and then flipping them, right? So right. I think that's what we did with, with Baseline in, in, in really a, a good way is we said, here are the problems. Here are 10 reasons why a, a, a security officer at a company would not want to use blockchain, but they would if, if, and that's what you get here. You say, well, yeah, the data is not leaving your database. It's fine. Leave it where it is. But wouldn't you like it if your system could tell you that you're consistent on a record by record basis with your counterparty system without having to actually jack into them or create a new integration bus for every single partnership, which usually costs you a million bucks every time you do it, right? So now we can say, no, we're not doing that anymore. At least for that particular function, that consistency machine, that's common frame of reference. We got this thing that's always on. It's always running. It has its own reasons for existing. And we're just going to use it as a bulletin board. That is a really cool like brain strategy to, to think through some complex things that will come to solutions. Uh, uh, a mentor of mine, his name is Sloan Miller. He likes to say that you have to find a way to work the angles in like any situation. And you might be in a spot you don't necessarily want to be in, but if you can find a new angle, find a way to keep moving forward and, and, and working it in the direction that you want it to go. So, man, I, I really do appreciate you coming and, and talking to us about all of everything that you're working on. And it's very interesting. And man, I, I tell you what, one of the ways that I really see this being practical, is like, especially as you talk about the horizontal way that you're getting the blockchain to talk to each other, it's, I've used this before. And if everyone that's listening, you've heard me say this, like building bridges is one of the most powerful things that you can do. There's a lot of islands that are out there and the people that find ways to build bridges to connect everything, those are the winners. And I, it sounds like that is something that y'all are trying to accomplish here. So I do appreciate that. And, you know, as we wrap up here, I just wanted to say, what is a, a final thought that you want to leave with all of our listeners today? Well, I think you put your finger on it. You know, the, the, we're going into a world of hyper-connectivity. We're get, going into a world where, for one reason or another, the word blockchain has prompted a lot of companies, a lot of uh, decision makers to small and large, right? We're not just talking about big giant companies, you know, not enterprise. I don't really get what enterprise means. I mean, if you're a three-person startup dealing with grandma's pension, you've got as many problems as a big, you know, as a bank. Definitely. In terms of security and GDPR and, you know, the new California law, all these things, right? You've got compliance. 
And, and, and for good reasons, this is, you know, we just don't throw that out. Right. It's not like that one guy that used to say, you know, uh, uh, I break things to fix them. I'm like, no, you should really understand what you're replacing or you're just going to be destined to be it. That's the best you can do. Right. If you don't understand. And so I think that it's important to say, okay, well, we're going to get closer together. It's great that this word blockchain has prompted everybody to say that we need to collaborate more. I had a, a boss many years ago that that was my whole job was to figure out, he said, you know, I think that there's this other company, these other companies and our company could work together on these things, but there are things in our company I don't even know about. And I wouldn't, and the only way to know that we should work together is to already know that we should work together. And there's just really good reasons why we don't want to throw open all of our R&D and, and t- to each other before we know that. So how do you solve that problem? In fact, when we, the way we solved that at the time was to hire, we created a non-government-backed uh, NGO that hired polymaths and put them in the bench level research labs of all these different companies. And they could tell each other everything that they were seeing on the condition they never told the companies they were working in. Right. And think about that. It kind of bakes your onion for a minute. Yeah. Uh, and it generated billions of dollars or I think half billion dollars the last time I checked with them in just new deal flow between companies that they no, never would have thought to work together ever. Right. Material science company and a pharma, that kind of thing. Wow. We have to work together, but we can't just throw open the doors all the time to everybody. There's just real reasons why we can't do that. Right. So how do you get both without, and the only way you can solve a conundrum like that is through true innovation, which means you're looking at it, you're looking at a problem and you got to turn it this way, right? You've got to completely change the, change the problem. You can't solve it within its own structure. You have to change the structure. Right. I think that's what we're doing. No, that's great. And I, I like that final thought. And just like you said, like for everyone that's listening, we're recording this so you can watch it on YouTube as well. And he did a visual to where he literally had his hand uh, palm forward and then he turned it to the side to show you the visual of analyzing a, a problem. And it is, is if you change the angle just a little bit, now you, you have a new problem, you have a new lens, you have a new framework to now attack it. And so I think that's a great visual. I think that's a great way to analyze this. And I think that's a really cool way to put a bow on this and, you know, for you to explain, you know, baseline protocols. So appreciate you joining us today. What are some ways that people can learn more about you and learn more about what you got going on with baseline protocol? Today, about 12 hours ago, we started the baseline protocol Gitcoin hackathon. You can go to Gitcoin. You can go to baseline-protocol.org. I don't know that the hackathon is on the website yet, but you can get the Slack inviter and get on our Slack channel, which has like 840 people on it now. They're very, very friendly community. This is, I don't think I mentioned, but you know, Baseline Protocol is an openly governed, open standard, and it's actually public domain. It's not even an open source. It's public domain. So it's not like an Apache license. It's a full public domain license. And to all the work that we're doing there, and you can just use it, start baselining your own products or your own solutions. But you can also come in and contribute to the work. Folks that are paying attention to Baseline are good people to be paying attention to you. For folks that are talented out there that are builders or makers, developers, engineers, architects, come on in, friendly crowd, very embracing of, of new people. There's some wonderful people that just found us on YouTube and now are leading whole chunks of this thing. Wow. So they can get involved and, and you can win... $10,000 right now between now and January 6th, uh, well, across seven projects that are on the Gitcoin hackathon that's running right now. Several projects that are $2,000 bounties and several that are $1,000 bounties. Thank you for letting everyone know about that. Thank you for all the knowledge that you dropped with us today. 
And John, really appreciate you being with us. And of course, for everyone listening, stay Cryptocurrent. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from Just a Sapien. Cryptocurrent is a valuable resource to learn about crypto and all the builders in the blockchain space. Keep up the great work. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, you asked and we delivered. We have received multiple requests for access to cool crypto and blockchain projects that you could use immediately. Well, we have recently launched our partnerships page. If you go to our website and go to the partnerships tab, you'll be able to see multiple companies that have partnered with us to not only give you access to the cool products that they have to offer, but then also give you cool discounts to get started today. So please go to our website, go to the partnerships tab and check out the various partners that we have today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay cryptocurrent. Please use available access now.